is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Yeah, we got all kinds of ballot shenanigans that are still going on, the latest being in Maine and Yeah, as we take a look at what may be with the Colorado decision, by the way, Trump is back on the Colorado ballot. And yes, while we have record illegal immigrants pouring across the southern border, well in excess of of 200,000, nearly 300,000 during the course of December. Yes, as we still have to ride through another year with Joe Biden as as president of the United States. Yes, with all of this taking taking place. I'm optimistic. I'm actually exceedingly optimistic, not overconfident, just optimistic. I'm optimistic that generational political change is here, that we're at a turning point our country hasn't been at in decades. There have been so many similarities between the Carter administration and the Biden administration. You think about it in all the comparisons between Joe Biden, take you back to what president, to the extent that we have comparisons. In some cases, cases uh, Biden's even worse. But it takes you back to Jimmy Carter, good old Captain Peanut. Well, there's something else to it. The Reagan revolution created generational political change. And it's something I've been watching for a while now. But it's something that I believe has already started to occur. I'm going to walk you through generational political change in the first hour. In the second hour, we're going to get into what 2023's worldwide elections tell us about 2024 in this country. And we're going to, in the third hour, get into election shenanigans concerns, integrity matters, more of the ballot issues and and the like. So we'll deal with all that. This is Brian Mudd. It is always a pleasure being here for The Great One. I am the host of The Brian Mudd Show, hubbed out of my home station, WJNO in West Palm Beach. I'm the host of The Brian Mudd Show podcast as well. You can check it out wherever you get your podcasts and at Brian Mudd Radio Socially, And it's truly an an honor and a pleasure being here with you. And it's been a pleasure uh, being here with you throughout the course of the holiday season. And as we are wrapping up 2023, I did want to leave you with a message looking forward that is optimistic. Because in the day to day and the news cycle that is, it's easy not to feel that way. But I tend to be macro-minded as uh, an analyst, and when I notice changes, I I like to point them out to you, good, bad, and different. But in this case, if you are looking for the resurgence of this country, the trends are very much our friends. Something huge is happening here. That was my top takeaway, my top takeaway on October 22nd of, of 2021. It was the first day that I had begun to uncover data towards a a historical political shift in this country. 
It was something that I, I covered, uh, certainly my local show that day. It's, it's something that I ended up discussing shortly thereafter on this show. I believe that there was a historical political shift that was starting to happen. And Florida, in particular, was the epicenter of it. And we certainly saw that manifest itself in Florida's historic 2022 elections. You know, it was a really weird thing last year for many of us that are liberty-minded in the state of Florida. Because in last year's otherwise disappointing midterm elections, Florida had record Republican wins. More Republicans elected top to bottom than had ever occurred in the history of the state. Biggest Republican margins since Reconstruction. And then you take a look across the rest of the country and disappointment generally, right? So what was so different? There are a lot of things that were different about Florida. Don't get me wrong. And and DeSantis' performance as governor, especially during COVID, had a lot to do with it. There are some unique elements to it. But there actually is something that has broader applications to it. Florida, just on the front edge of something that is a bit bigger in terms of this political shift. One of the biggest questions as we enter the crucial 2024 election cycle is whether we are going to see a shift the likes of which we began to see with certain demographics in certain places like Florida in 2022. 22, whether we're going to see that show up again, but show up in more places. So I want to take you back to what I had to offer on October 22nd of 2021, because the message today, as we prepare for the most important election year of our lifetime, I think it's more relevant now than it was then. So I'm going to share with you what I said only updated with current information over two years later. So here it goes. Said something huge is happening here, as in Florida, but also the country more broadly. In researching President Biden's approval rating by state, there's a huge story unfolding. On the one hand, the results, not terribly surprising. Yes, his approval ratings are underwater in 14 states that he won, which is a big number. Here's the first update from the story back then. He was underwater in 14 states that he had won just over two years ago. That number is up to 22 states today. That's right. Joe Biden is currently only approved of net positive approval in three states right now. Just three. Okay, continuing. But then again, when your national approval rating is hovering around 40 percent, give or take, that's actually about the same as it is today. That's necessarily going to be the case. The real eye opener is where his approval ratings are worst, not as in geography, but rather demographics. For as long as I've studied politics, there's been one consistent truism. The youngest voters are the most likely to support Democrats. Typically, it takes family formation and career development, paying taxes, you know, those types of things. To help open the eyes of previously idealistic kids turned adults. I've literally never seen anything to the contrary until now. Okay, again, this is just over two years ago. 
But this is different and something huge is happening here. President Biden's approval ratings are worst youngest among voters 18 to 34. His approval rating stands at 35 percent. Biden's approval rating. Here's the next update for you right now. Among voters 18 to 34, it's down to 27 percent, 27 percent. That means there's a generational opportunity for Republicans. I'm the real-life walking, talking Alex P. Keaton. You know, loving Reagan as a kid, that was a thing for me and for millions of my generation. You know, Reagan is the primary reason that those of us who were products of the 80s, those of us who are, are Gen Xers, that we tend to be more conservative than boomers or millennials. And that's the generational opportunity in front of Republicans right now. We di- we've discussed how Biden's performance is the worst by any president since Jimmy Carter. And in the context of it being darkest before dawn, I've pointed out that it took Jimmy Carter for us to get Ronald Reagan. So here we are. The generational opportunity for Republicans, if they can emulate the principles of Ronald Reagan, starting with freedom and liberty. The biggest teachable moment in the here and now isn't about taxes or welfare or free puppies and and free Biden bucks and, and goodies that are anything but free. It's about freedom itself. Americans inherently want it. And the big lie about the left and the Democrat Party generally is that they're quote unquote liberal. Which is often confused by kids and young adults to equal liberty. So they've often been taught that that's just the way you go. I'm for freedom, so I'm going to be uh, I'm going to be Democrat. They're Democratic. That's all part of the marketing scam in which they'll refer to themselves as Democratic as opposed to Democrats. And by the way, I got into the anti-Democratic Party and the marketing scam that is the Democratic Party uh, just last Thursday, guesting for the, the great one. And. It's a ruse. It's a ruse to confuse immigrants and, and people coming of age who aren't yet politically aware and they'll want to support the, the democratic prog- process. The Republican Party with good leadership, which is always, uh, you know, an asterisk. And that's always a big question mark as if there's good leadership. But the Republican Party, when it has it. Has been the party. That was founded by Abraham Lincoln, the party of freedom, liberty, and personal choice. The Democrats are the party of dictates, mandates, and censorship. That's also in keeping with historical norms, given that they were the party of of slavery and, and later indentured servants from their earliest days. This is now being realized by the youngest voters in this country. And make no mistake that financial freedom is in and of itself freedom, right? Insane inflation, high taxes, central in this conversation. This is a generational opportunity, and there's a need for Reagan conservatives leading the party. Now, that was my message just over two years ago, and it's striking to me how the only thing that's changed in over two years has been a continuation of the generational opportunity and the generational trends that I identified back then. And that's largely because of the consistent and enduring failures of Joe Biden and the anti-democratic party across the country. 
I mentioned at the the onset that Florida, given its demographics, which most closely reflect the melting pot that is this country, was on the leading edge of the political shift. Now, many have suggested that young leftists don't approve of Joe Biden, most commonly because somehow or another, he just isn't Marxist enough for them. And look, that, that, that very well may be the case with a smattering of young voters, but it actually isn't the case for many others. And I want to give you some data that will support this. We've seen it show up in Florida's voter registration trends. Not only have Republicans made historic gains in voter registrations in Florida in recent years and turning the state from the ultimate swing state into a likely red state, we have seen the most dramatic change come from those between the ages of 18 to 34. I'm going to pick up there and give you some of what's happening nationally next. I'm Brian Mudd, in for the great one. Mudd in. Mark Levin here, folks, with essential information about a possible digital dollar and its impact on IRAs and 401ks. Educate yourself before a digital dollar comes with Augusta Precious Metals' downside of the digital dollar report. Created due to popular demand, this report is packed with important digital dollar insights. Best of all, it shares a strategy smart investors have used to hedge against economic uncertainties like the digital dollar. Act now to learn more with Augusta Precious Metals. Do it for your financial future. Receive the free downside of the digital dollar report today by texting LEVIN to 68592. That's L-E-V-I-N to 68592. Again, text LEVIN to 68592 or go to AugustaPreciousMetals.com. Text date and message rates may apply. Performance varies. Consult your financial professionals before making investment decisions and get risk disclosures at AugustaPreciousMetals.com. We're hoping that they'll overturn this unconstitutional, undemocratic, and un-American decision by four unelected judges that were appointed by our opposition party. We're going to do everything we can to make sure that the right of the voters is protected and that Donald Trump can. Yeah, can uh, compare the ballot. That is Dave Williams, who is the Colorado Republican Party chair, talking about uh, the latest out of Colorado, which actually is another wrinkle. So originally, after you had the Colorado Supreme Court uh, say, uh, yeah, no due process, but we're going to say that Trump is not only guilty of insurrection, but we're going to say that uh, he can't appear on the Republican primary ballot. Well, you had that decision stayed pending an appeal to the United States Supreme Court. Given the deadlines that exist in Colorado, as it stands now, the Supreme Court doesn't weigh in before January 5th. Trump actually will appear appear on the Colorado ballot. Uh, This after you had Maine, of course, that ended up uh, using the Colorado Supreme Court decision to take Trump off of their ballot. We cover this extensively uh, over the past week, um, guesting for the great one. The long story short is the United States Supreme Court will uphold the Constitution here. You are going to see Donald Trump that will appear on ballots. Just a matter of how quickly they get to this decision and, and also how precise they are. You have so many different states, over a dozen, where you still have legal challenges that exist. Brian Mudd in for the great one, Mark Levin. And talking about the generational opportunity as we enter 2024, there's a lot that we can be optimistic about. And a lot of the 
demographic changes in the electorate and off election years aren't really noticed. But one of the things uh, I will frequently do is observe, for example, voter registration changes. And if you see polls moving in the same direction as you see voter registration changes moving, you tend to have some additional evidence, some additional context for what you're seeing. And to give you an idea, some of what I was talking about in the first segment in, in 2020 in Florida, 40% of the voters between the ages of 18 to 34 were registered Democrats, just 25% that were registered Republicans. Okay, so by way of voter registration with young voters, Democrats had a 15 point net advantage, right? All right. So what's happened since? Since Joe Biden was president of the United States in the state of Florida, voter registrations for those between the ages of 18 to 34, Republicans have bested Democrats in the state by one point. It's the first time in the state's history that the youngest voters have been more likely to register as Republicans and Democrats. And that is a far larger shift, that percentage shift that we have seen, a 16-point shift, than any other age group. And that trend, by the way, was central to the record Republican wins in Florida last year. And it's even larger than the shift that we've seen by Hispanic and Latino voters in the state as well. But then you take a look at what's going on nationally. And it wasn't all that long ago, within the past few weeks, that you had Fox News nationally produce polling that showed Trump leading Biden in a hypothetical rematch next year by 13 points with youngest voters. Trump leading Biden by 13 points in a hypothetical rematch. It's just a snapshot in time, about 11 months before an election. But it is further evidence that many, if not most younger adults, they aren't looking for even more Marxism. Those that are, that's the overwhelming minority. What they're looking for is freedom, financial and otherwise. A second coming of the Reagan revolution, well, it's quietly been playing out in, in Florida due to DeSantis's Reagan-like leadership as governor. And the opportunity exists to do so nationally as well with whoever the standard bearer is. We'll continue this conversation, take some of your calls as well. Brian Mudd and for the great one, Mark Levin. Mark Levin here, folks, with essential information about a possible digital dollar and its impact on IRAs and 401ks. Educate yourself before a digital dollar comes with Augusta Precious Metals' downside of the digital dollar report. Created due to popular demand, this report is packed with important digital dollar insights. Best of all, it shares a strategy smart investors have used to hedge against economic uncertainties like the digital dollar. Act now to learn more with Augusta Precious Metals. Do it for your financial future. Receive the free downside of the digital dollar report today by texting LEVIN to 68592. That's L-E-V-I-N to 68592. Again, text LEVIN to 68592 or go to AugustaPreciousMetals.com. Text aid and message rates may apply. Performance varies. Consult your financial professionals before making investment decisions and get risk disclosures at AugustaPreciousMetals.com. Mark Luffin, an unapologetic patriot and unapologetic constitutionalist. 
You can reach him at 877-381-3811. These are the Democrats doing this. They they want something bad to happen to somebody. They're targeting Republicans. They're targeting Jewish organizations. They're targeting you know Trump supporters, Israel supporters. That is Senator Rick Scott, as he became the latest member of Congress that was a victim of swatting uh, the the practice where you have these prank calls of an active shooter at a residence and and get the SWAT response. And the the senator talking about, look, it's Democrats targeting a whole host of different groups. And increasingly, I believe you have people that are taking a look at what's been playing out here, including the product of Democrat policies in their lives. And thinking twice about this situation, a lot of times things have to get really bad before people who aren't necessarily versed politically just kind of go along to get along, often young voters, before they really stop and go, "Okay, I need to figure out what's going on here, because what I thought was true isn't. And what I was voting for isn't working. That happened with Jimmy Carter. And we got Ronald Reagan. You had the Reagan revolution and you had a whole generation that ended up becoming fairly conservative generation because of that. When you take a look at what's before us right now, we are are facing another opportunity in this upcoming election cycle. And with Donald Trump as the standard bear, uh, he certainly has shown that he can be. Reagan-esque in his policies. No doubt that he is the best president this country has had since Ronald Reagan. And as I've been pointing out, Brian Mudd in for Mark Levin, and uh, we're talking about the generational opportunity that exists. Where you have evidence, both in voter registration trends and polling, showing that the youngest voters aren't just disapproving of Joe Biden. Very early on, it looked like a lot of young voters are like, hey, I'm just not getting enough freebies. You know, where is where's the free college and all that? Th- there's no doubt that was part of it with young voters. But increasingly, as this has played out, we are seeing evidence. The young voters aren't just going, hey, I- I'm not getting uh, enough free candy here. I'm not getting enough Marxism out of the Biden administration. They're opening their eyes politically and opening themselves up towards more conservative politicians. And that is the opportunity that can be led on. It's the opportunity that we have seen in a very significant way play out in the state of Florida, but the one demographically that we're seeing play out all across the country in various ways as well. And I'm going to get into some of the specifics about the states in play and the changes we've seen in swing states across the country a little bit later in the show. There is lots of reason to be optimistic right now. All the trends that I've studied over the course of my 25 plus year career, I am exceedingly optimistic about what the future holds and and what we are seeing in front of us right now. That is, if the Republican leads on principle, leads with Reagan-esque policies and doesn't do what it so often has done presented with opportunities in the past. And that is shoot itself in the foot. Uh, But given again, the 
existing standard bearer within the party. I have more confidence than not. Let's go to Rick in Elwood Park, New Jersey. Rick, welcome to the show. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, we got to we got to teach the young kids that the Democrats aren't here to save them from the end of the world because that I believe convinces a lot of them that they have to vote that way. And we got to get the Marxist teachers out of the schools. A hundred percent. So, yes, we've and we've talked about the great one has talked about this so many times over the years. And and I uh, certainly have as well the impact that the education establishment plays. You can really trace the the change in our culture, in values uh, to the 1964 Supreme Court decision striking uh, religion from the classroom. And then the 1980 uh, creation of the Department of Education, another Jimmy Carter production providing us with the Department of Education that saw to it that any kind of religious influence in schools in the classroom uh, did not take place, uh, that it was removed. And what you ended up seeing was the first generation with an exponential increase in atheism, which coincided with an increase in mental health issues which by the time that generation had produced its first graduating class in the late 90s, you had Columbine. And take a look at the violence, whether it's school shootings or just other forms of violence that have played out since. Everything got worse once we removed any sense of morality from the classroom. You're you're 100% right, as I've always been inclined to tell atheists. You can believe in nothing, but still benefit from morality in society. It was not good for anybody that happened. And certainly the teachers all being part of this. And it's, uh, you know, it's a, a big part of a, a much larger issue. But again, where you have people that are reevaluating what they thought was the case, that if you meet it with policy that makes their lives better, is where you see a historic shift. And that's why I point out Florida having been on the front lines of this. And you saw a historic result in last year's midterm elections in Florida. That is something that we are seeing show up with young voters and the registration trends and also the polling trends in other states now. It's not necessarily to the extent of what we have seen in Florida. But again, Florida was a couple of years ahead of all this as well. So, uh, you know, there is plenty of reason for for optimism here, I believe. Let's go to. Uh, Vince in Langston, Michigan. Vince, welcome to the show. Thank you, Brian, for taking my call. Um, you bet. I just wanted to get on the uh, Jimmy Carter conversation. Yes. And I've been telling all my friends uh, all year long that the only person in the country that's really glad that Joe Biden is our president is Jimmy Carter. <laughs> because he is actually worse than Jimmy Carter. I graduated in 1972, and I lived through that. And yep. um, Yeah, Vince, uh, I mean, look, uh, you're, you're right. It's a good point. I mean, whether you're talking about inflation, where were all the comparisons? You had to go back to uh, Jimmy Carter. When you take a look at the historically low approval ratings, what has the comp been? It's been Jimmy Carter. But actually, we are just now ending a year with something not even Jimmy Carter had done. The polling age began in the 1930s. So when you hear about 
you know, presidents polling at X, it starts with with FDR. That's where we have polling data. What we have now seen is that Joe Biden has broken even Jimmy Carter's record. Joe Biden will have the lowest approval rating of any president running for re-election uh, entering that re-election year. Worse even than Jimmy Carter now at the same stage in the eyes of voters, not just by way of policies that we're living through, but in the eyes of voters themselves. Let's go to Tom in Ledyard, Connecticut. Tom, welcome to the show. Hey, brother. Um, I really love that you talk about Ronald Reagan as one of our greatest presidents. I served under him, um, took care of his plane under Air Force One, and, and um, man, he was just an amazing, amazing gentleman. Brought down the walls. What do you think, brother? Yeah, well, no, no question about it. I mean, Ronald Reagan uh, is... And you, we can make the the case about Reagan or Trump, the greatest uh, president of of modern times. Uh, no, no, no question about it. And they both had something in common that often you you talk about bringing down walls. Peace through strength was, of course, Reagan's philosophy, but it was something that Trump carried out to great success. Right. I mean, you, you take a look at the de-escalation. Not only did Reagan manage to navigate the Cold War successfully, but then you take a look at Trump and Trump inherits the ISIS caliphate. We're all you know, worried about Islamic terror. You have an instable world, China provocating. You have little rocket man. You know, you have Kim Jong Un and, and all of his rockets being fired around North Korea. And what happens? Trump gets in. He delivers on his promise to bomb the blank out of ISIS. And the caliphate ended, ISIS ended, the concerns and the threats and the Islamic terror attacks in this country and around the world stopped. You had little rocket man that, that wasn't so inspired to be firing off missiles everywhere. You had bad actors like Putin and like Xi. Uh, Rained in. You know, China, no doubt a problem. But we ended up having more credibility on the world stage with Donald Trump as president. What did you see? A de-escalation in conflict as a result. So uh, no question about it. And and I don't think there's a wrong answer if you want to go Reagan or Trump in terms of the, the best president. The comparisons are many. And I think that as we're talking about this generational shift and change within young voters in particular, I think we're starting to see some of the appreciation about what they had. When they were just told that, look, it's the bad orange men, I, I think now they're they're beginning to realize, hey, you know what? Things really were a whole lot better when the uh, the orange man was was president. Oh, and, and by the way, we've got an opportunity to do a, a do over here. And, and I think many are looking at taking that opportunity again. We are if you take a look at the Fox News point, for example, you're talking about a greater than a 30 point shift in voters under the age of 30 between the 2020 election and what they say they would do today. That is pretty remarkable. Let's go to Darcy in Knoxville, Tennessee. Place that my very first memories were in Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, I, uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it there and still enjoy uh, heading to, uh, to the Tennessee mountains. How you doing, Darcy? Um, we're, uh, I'm good. I'm good. I can't hear you over my telephone, but I can hear you over my radio because I'm in the car. So I don't want to cause any interference, but I'm hearing all those good things that you're saying, and I really like the positive attitude, and I really believe in it. But the X factor, the X factor is 
course, the Democrats and all their plans. They always tell us their plans. They wanted to stack the court. They wanted to flood the country with people that could vote. And they handed them cell phones as they came over the border. And they all, I have a daughter-in-law who does English as a second language up in Michigan. She works in the schools. She says all of those immigrants know where they're going to vote and who they're going to vote for. And they talk about it. So who's measuring that and what impact that's going to wreak on our elections? Yeah, Darcy, it's a great point. It's a a really great point. I appreciate the call. It's a very real concern, right? Uh, It is no accident that you have had record illegal immigration that has been allowed by the Biden administration into this country. And it's not a coincidence that prior administrations had done something similar. It's just much more extreme now. They were playing the long game, right? The idea was, hey, we let in all these illegal immigrants. We'll figure out a way to get them voting rights or at a minimum, they'll have kids and they'll end up voting for Democrats. Right. It was all part of the the longer term strategy. And historically, there's been something to it. Interestingly, what started to change? And you're seeing this with the Latino and Hispanic polling that exists out there, but also, again, the voter registration trends. You're seeing those that came here legally that are rejecting it. They are rejecting the open border. They resent people not coming here and doing it the right way. And they resent the policies that Democrats have brought to this country and what they have been lied to about themselves. And as you have that the turn of events, It creates an interesting dynamic where the number of illegals that might figure out or or be allowed to vote, will that be outdone by those who had previously been of maybe a similar demographic but were here legally that were historical Democrats that now vote more conservatively? What I can tell you for it, I use the the record Florida example. If you take a look at the bluest counties, if you if you took a look at a Miami Dade, a Palm Beach County, uh, an uh, Hillsborough, for example, these very blue counties in, in the state that ended up flipping where the biggest change happened from in the midterm election cycle, Hispanic and Latino voters that ended up going the other way. And so that, along with the youth change, is a big part of what we're seeing here and something that I also remain optimistic about, that we do have to deal with the illegals, no doubt about it. Brian Mudd in for the great one. Mud in. Mark Levin here, folks, with essential information about a possible digital dollar and its impact on IRAs and 401ks. Educate yourself before a digital dollar comes with Augusta Precious Metals' downside of the digital dollar report. Created due to popular demand, this report is packed with important digital dollar insights. Best of all, it shares a strategy smart investors have used to hedge against economic uncertainties like the digital dollar. Act now to learn more with Augusta Precious Metals. Do it for your financial future. Receive the free downside of the digital dollar report today by texting LEVIN to 68592. That's L-E-V-I-N to 68592. Again, text LEVIN to 68592 or go to AugustaPreciousMetals.com. Text aid and message rates may apply. Performance varies. Consult your financial professionals before making investment decisions and get risk disclosures at AugustaPreciousMetals.com.
The population of Pittsburgh is 300,000. And we're approaching that in a single month, not to mention the thousands of gotaways. The point is, the administration is overwhelmed. In many sectors, agents have stopped patrolling the border and closed checkpoints to simply process migrants for release. Biden did seek Mexico's help, agreeing to keep the U.S. border crossings open in exchange for Mexico to harden its southern border, though troops yesterday made no attempt to stop this. Yeah, that's great. Fox's William Lajanez on the report. The record border surge yet another record in December. Feels like it's a broken record where every month is worse than the one before it. And the caller is just concerned about illegal immigrants voting in next year's election. A very big concern on top of everything else, including the affordability, safety, the drug problems that continue throughout our society. I mean, all these various different uh, related elements. But... On a more optimistic note, as I've been sounding in this first hour, I do think there's a generational opportunity that's manifesting with the youngest voters, something that we haven't seen since the era of Reagan. And we've seen it in some voter registration trends. I've cited polling, including President Biden's approval rating falling to a microscopic 27 percent among voters 18 to 34, which is the lowest of any age range. But. I've also mentioned that it's not just because you have exclusively people that are young on the left going, hold on, you know, Biden hasn't been even enough on board with the LGBTQIA plus apostrophe ampersand group. And he hasn't uh, done enough for student loan debt forgiveness. It's not all that. Some are coming back the other way. And in fact, there is increasingly evidence that maybe liberalism has peaked with students. On top of the voter registration trends and the polling, you also had the annual Monitoring the Future survey. This is an annual study that takes a look at the overall political uh, considerations of those in 12th grade. And what they showed this year is that 12th grade girls, 30% of them identified as liberals this year. That was down 1% from a year ago. Just 13% of boys identified as liberals that tied the record low in the survey's history that dates back to 1976. So you also have now a record low number of soon-to-be voters that are identifying as liberals, and there's something to be said for that. Pick up the conversation next. Brian Mudd in for the great one, Mark Levin. This segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month. Go to puretalk.com to find the plan that's right for you. Thank you again for listening, and thank you so much for this sponsorship, Pure Talk. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Israel is advancing deep into Gaza, hoping to clear out the remaining Hamas fighters. And as this fighting intensifies, we've been updating our audience on Egypt's proposal to end this war. And today it's being widely reported that a Hamas delegation has been or is in Cairo to consider Egypt's proposal. That is Fox's uh, Matt 
spin on the report. And on Tuesday's show, we talked about Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's three prerequisites, the three prerequisites to peace that he had laid out on Christmas Day in an opinion piece in the Wall Street Journal, which started with the elimination of Hamas and concluded with the de-radicalization of the Palestinians, which of the prerequisites is the most difficult. If you want the lowdown on all that and you happen to miss Tuesday's show, you may be forgiven if you go back and listen to uh, the Mark Levin Show podcast, which you can do at any time wherever you get your your podcast. But yeah, we are continuing to see Israel have a great deal of success in accomplishing the first prerequisite towards peace as laid out by Netanyahu, and that is the elimination of Hamas. They've been highly effective in their efforts. And yes, we've got stuff like that going on. Uh, We've got Biden's open border. We have continued affordability issues. There are a lot of things that are, are not ideal in our society. And there is a lot that as we wrap up 2023, we could feel uh, pretty pessimistic about. I fashion myself as a realist who errs on the side of optimism. And in this particular case, there just happens to be, I believe, a lot of evidence that there's room for outright optimism as we head towards next year. I'm Brian Mudd, and I am the host of The Brian Mudd Show, which is hubbed out of my home station, WJNO in West Palm Beach. You can get The Brian Mudd Show podcast wherever you get your podcast. And you can follow me socially at Brian Mudd Radio. It is always an honor and a pleasure guesting for the great one. So thank you for having me once again. Just be we're going to move into uh, what 2023's worldwide elections tell us about 2024 in this country. But I want to finish with just a, a couple of points that I was discussing in the first hour about the generational opportunity that exists, because it's powerful the information that we are seeing come in 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 multiple ways. And I laid out how I first really started to to see the trends in a meaningful way in Florida in 2021. And those trends became so strong that they culminated in the record Republican win in Florida last year. But how more recently we've been seeing those trends show up in other states with young voters. Joe Biden has the lowest approval rating among young voters of any demographic. And it's not just that he has low approval among young voters. It's that in a hypothetical rematch with Donald Trump, we are seeing a greater than 30 percent swing in polling between the 2020 election and a hypothetical rematch. Now, that's significant when you get that large of a percentage of people moving in a opposite direction of what they voted in the previous election cycle. That's a historic kind of shift. But we've also seen that matched with the change in voter registration information. I shared how in Florida, the youngest voters, Democrats outregister the youngest voters with Republicans by 15%. Since the 2020 election, Republicans have outregistered young voters in the state of Florida. And how we're starting to see some of that show up in other states as well. But then also how you have additional research, like the Monitoring the Future survey, 
which shows that fewer 12th grade students are identifying as liberals, including a record low number of 12th grade boys that now identify as liberal, going back to when the survey started in 1976. That's not the only thing either. Tufts University, they have a civic engagement survey that they study every election cycle. They've done this each election cycle since 1992. So if you take a look at the 2018 midterm election cycle and the 2022 midterm election cycle, voters between the ages of 18 and 29, they moved towards the right by eight points, by eight points from one midterm cycle to another. So again, it's in every data point that we begin to look at, we see significant movement with the youngest voters. The type of thing that in many cases we have never seen, but broadly that paints a picture as we have so many comparisons of the Biden administration to the Carter administration of where we were when Ronald Reagan came into prominence after the debacle that was the Carter administration. There are so many similarities today as we take a look at what may be with Trump carrying that banner going forward. Somebody who certainly, in his own Trumpian way, can hold the water that that Reagan did for those years. And it's significant that you have so many, especially young voters, are going, you know what? I screwed up not going for Trump the last time around at, at this point in the game. Now, in terms of optimism, there are other places that you can take a look as well. So let's look at some of the worldwide trends throughout the course of this year. Specifically recently, you've seen two radical leftist governments in two different hemispheres get voted out for not just a move towards the right politically in these countries, but for the most conservative political candidates, the ones that are most often identified as the Trumpian candidates in the races. So if you go back to 2016, when Boris Johnson was elected and Brexit passed in England months before the U.S. presidential election, yet many that inferred the potential implications within the United States. And then that obviously proved true when, when Donald Trump shocked the left and much of the world by winning the, the presidential election. Well, Argentina and the Netherlands are much different than England. And it isn't quite an election year yet. However, we might have a case of history repeating itself this way as well. So the top issue in both of those elections in Argentina and the Netherlands, the economy, specifically inflation. And obviously, it's been the top issue in the minds of Americans today. Has been for over two years now. Secondarily, in the case of the Netherlands election, illegal immigration and national security was the second biggest issue. In our country, illegal immigration is the third biggest issue on the minds of American voters, that according to Gallup. And while context to the issues question isn't provided in a lot of these surveys, it's safe to say that, for example, in the case of illegal immigration, it's not the third biggest issue in this country because Americans think that we don't have enough of it taking place. Now, the reason that those two elections are that much more interesting, the Netherlands election win by Wilders and the Argentinian election win by Javier Milley, 
They're the most recent election wins for Trump-styled candidates in foreign elections, but they're not the only ones. It's been part of a much larger recent trend. Quoting a recent Washington Post article, it was entitled, Dutch Election Show Far Right Rising and Reshaping Europe. Quoting from the article, Historic political momentum has given the far right a seat at Europe's table and a chance to reshape the region's politics and policies. The latest victory came in the socially liberal Netherlands, where hard right icon Geert Wilders and his anti-European Union, anti-Muslim, anti-immigration party for freedom landed a shocking first place finish in the parliamentary elections. The unexpectedly strong showing by the Dutch Donald Trump, who has long pledged to ban the Quran and halt acceptance of asylum seekers, amounted to a powerful warning to mainstream Europe. Everywhere in Europe, we see the same right wing wind blowing, uh, said a Belgian hard right populist in response to Wilder's win. The advance that has been underway for a while is clearly continuing in the Netherlands. We share our patriotism. We want to put our people first again. Nothing can match that motivation. The success, while shaped in part by domestic conditions, has further buoyed the global hard right. This after Javier Milley, a far-right economist and former television pundit, was elected president in Argentina. Again, just quoting from the Washington Post here. Far-right parties have taken power in Italy extended their rule in Hungary, earned a coalition rule in Finland, become the de facto government partners in Sweden, entered parliament in Greece, and made striking gains in regional elections in Austria and Germany. Slovakia is also something of a far-right success story, with the far-right Slovak National Party among the coalition partners supporting the populist uh, there. So that is all from the Washington Post. Setting aside some of the subjective characterizations as the WAPO is going to be inclined to do, do about the depiction of, of these right wing, you know, nuts in so many words, they did accurately capture the context of the big picture with what's been happening politically around the world this year. And a lot of which you probably haven't heard about. It's not like our Mainstream media goes out of the way to tell you that there has been a political earthquake of sorts that's been growing in magnitude with aftershocks all throughout the course of this year and something that could portend good things for Trump next year. But anyway, in, re- in the reference example of Boris Johnson's ascension in England in the summer of 2016, he was likened to Trump, obviously, in both his brash approach and even appearance. But in reality, from a political perspective, He really wasn't a conservative politician, right? He never really governed that way. What's different as you're starting to see some of these governments come into power, some of these uh, Trumpian uh, politicians, as it were, you're you're starting to talk about real conservatism, that it's making its way around the world. And that is powerful as well in terms of shaping generations, not just in this country, but around the world and showing what can be possible when conservative conservatism is introduced, which largely hasn't been in many segments of society for generations, including largely in this country, even when Republicans have been in power. And that's one of the dynamics that is so powerful about Donald Trump is seeing the difference when you implement policy. 
So I'm going to walk you through everywhere there's been significant progress around the world this year and uh, kind of set things up for where we sit entering a new year in this country. Again, there is a lot, if you're a constitutionalist, a lot if you are a, a conservative to feel good about as we enter 2024. I'm Brian Mudd, in for the great one. Mud Lovin. Traveling for the holidays? Pure Talk has you covered because they just added international roaming to over 30 countries. That's right. Whether you're making calls from the Vatican or on a beach in the Bahamas, you're covered. From the steps of Buckingham Palace or your villa in Santorini, you dial away. And here's the best part. There is no rate increase. Pure Talk still saves the average family almost $1,000 a year with plans starting at just 20 bucks a month. And they put you on America's most dependable 5G network. So the coverage is second to none. So don't delay, folks. Switch to Pure Talk, a veteran-owned wireless company with simply the best U.S. customer service team. Now with international roaming to over 30 countries. Go to puretalk.com slash Levin. That's puretalk.com slash L-E-V-I-M to make the switch. And you'll save an additional 50% off your first month. That's big. That's puretalk.com slash Levin to start saving on wireless right now. A barrage of missiles and drones overnight from Russia targeting Ukraine is the largest aerial assault since the war began, President Biden says. In a statement, the president says Ukraine was able to deploy air defense systems provided by the U.S. and allies over the past year. Yeah, Fox's uh, Jared Halpern on that report. So, oh, by the way, yes, uh, you have the escalation once again in Ukraine by Russia. Isn't it great having a feckless president whose very existence makes the world less safe? I mean, we had over two thirds of Americans that said, you know what? Putin never does it. Russia never invades Ukraine to begin with if Donald Trump were president. How many people think that we would be staring out what we're staring at with Israel and Hamas if Donald Trump were president. But as we are dealing with the continued fallout from having made the worst possible decisions in 2020, we have plenty of reason to be optimistic as we look towards next year. Not only have we had voter registration trends, polling, but also worldwide elections that are showing really significant moves, moves that in some cases have not been seen in in modern political history. And some cases that have just never been seen. I was talking about the elections around the world this year that may not have been on your radar where conservatives either assumed power or made really significant gains this year. Those countries, here's the list of them. Argentina, Austria, Finland, France, Germany, Greece, Hungary, Italy, the Netherlands, New Zealand, Norway, Slovakia, and Sweden. Literally from one side of the world to the other, you have examples of a growing rejection of leftist policies and leftist politicians for what are often not just more conservative options, 
but the most conservative options that are available to voters. This is a far more pervasive trend around the world than anything. If you start taking a look in context, trying to figure out, you know, where historically does this fall? You have to go back to the early years following World War II to find the last time that you had such a rightward movement generally in so many different countries around the world. Now, should all this be taken to mean that come next November, we're going to see something similar in this country? Uh, Only if you have a crystal ball that tells you that the biggest issues today will definitively be the biggest issues 11 months from now, though there is a really good chance that they will, right? I mean, what are the odds that we don't have economic concerns election day next year? It'd be great. Not very likely, right? Binomics probably not going to dramatically improve the lives of Americans between now and then. What are the odds that the border crisis will be meaningfully improved and, and the related issues that are associated with it, among many of the other issues? What are, what are the odds that we're going to have a de-escalation in foreign conflicts? If anything, you're probably going to have an escalation as many of the bad actors around the world try to take advantage of what they perceive potentially to be the last year of a Biden presidency. So we, if anything, you might see an escalation in foreign conflict because of, of Biden's weakness. But what we are seeing in elections and polls and voter registration information, it's all pointing in one direction. It's a reason to feel optimistic. We'll continue this conversation next. I'm Brian Mudd in for the great one. Mark Levin. Traveling for the holidays? Pure Talk has you covered because they just added international roaming to over 30 countries. That's right. Whether you're making calls from the Vatican or on a beach in the Bahamas, you're covered. From the steps of Buckingham Palace or your villa in Santorini, you dial away. And here's the best part. There is no rate increase. Pure Talk still saves the average family almost $1,000 a year with plans starting at just 20 bucks a month. And... They put you on America's most dependable 5G network, so the coverage is second to none. So don't delay, folks. Switch to Pure Talk, a veteran-owned wireless company with simply the best U.S. customer service team. Now with international roaming to over 30 countries. Go to puretalk.com slash Levin, that's puretalk.com slash L-E-V-I-M, to make the switch, and you'll save an additional 50% off your first month. That's big. That's puretalk.com slash Levin to start saving on wireless right now. House Republicans have written the White House counsel to tell them they are expanding their investigation into the president's part of their impeachment inquiry. I'm going to read you part of that letter right now. Quote, in light of an official statement from the White House that President Biden was aware in advance that his son, Hunter Biden, would knowingly defy two congressional subpoenas. And here's the statement from White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre, which irked the House Republicans. The president was certainly familiar uh, with what his son was going to say. Well, that uh, speaks volumes, doesn't it? Green Jean-Pierre uh, letting the cat out of the bag. Not that there's any surprise. I mean, you don't see Joe Biden go anywhere without Hunter Biden seemingly five steps ahead of him and en route to wherever that may be. Fascinating how there's been still no distance uh, given the situation that's out hand, and including uh, following the federal indictment in California. So 
We shall see as that web continues to be unwoven and the House Republicans dig deeper into their investigation with the formal impeachment inquiry. Brian Muddy in for the great one, Mark Levin, and we are talking about many of the different data points that are coming together, uh, many of the different occurrences in this country and around the world that are coming together, pointing in a direction towards next year, towards 2024, potentially being a historic year for conservatives, being a, a year that could be a real turning point in this country, something analogous to going from Jimmy Carter, going from Captain Pina to going to Ronald Reagan and what happened with a whole generation of voters as a result of, of Reagan's policies. And as we're taking a look at all that, want to hear from you as well. And uh, let's go to Tony, who has patiently been hanging on. Uh, Tony in Clifton, New Jersey. Welcome to the show. Hi, Brian. Mud. I want to wish you all the best for 2024 and thank you for your stunning research i love it and as a baby boomer i do have some comments because it's so true can i tell you my thoughts yeah i would love to appreciate the kind words and yeah go ahead so so as a baby boomer i've seen the same thing that's happening now with the younger people uh swinging toward the conservative side and i've seen that happen from lbj if you remember lbj how many kids did you kill today and then everyone went with president nixon so that was a big paradigm and it also happened with it happened with um president carter when young people who are very visual always were remember the gas lines i can remember brian being on a gas line young people are seeing not only what's going on security-wise for our country, but young people all over the world are saying, you know what, this is hurting my family. And I think young people do have a sense of family. Um, think positive. So I think you're absolutely right. I think that these swings that are happening are happening intentionally because young people aren't reading about it. They're seeing it. They're seeing how we have a president who's not consistent. We're seeing who we have a president who tells the truth sometimes. And they're saying, you know what, this is concerning to me because this is affecting my life and my future. And I think it's stunning. And I'm really looking forward to them all voting Republican. Great call. Uh, Appreciate you taking the time to, to share your thoughts and you bring up so many good points there. And I do want to draw just a distinction. You raise Richard Nixon Nixon, and, and his win coming off of LBJ. And we are talking about a real historic shift in terms of the overall margins, especially by the time you got to Nixon's re-election bid. The one big difference there, and part of the reason it didn't have staying power, aside from the obvious with Nixon, was that he wasn't really a mo- movement candidate in terms of ideology. It was about the Vietnam War, right? As you mentioned. In the case of Reagan, he represented something entirely new. He represented a movement, and he implemented his policies while Democrats had control of Congress, did his level best to navigate a hostile environment in Washington, and for that matter, an extremely hostile news media at the time as well, which is often overlooked these days. We see I believe something very similar as you take a look at Donald Trump, not only in terms of his ability to lead, his ability to 
get past the press in his own way. But also his willingness to lead on policy and what he believes in. And that has the potential for staying power. And it's fascinating, given everything we've seen play out, all efforts to get Trump prior to his having even become president of the United States, how you are seeing these historic shifts in his direction. One of the more remarkable things, again, for everything we have witnessed as we take a look at the likely Republican nominee for president and Donald Trump, the hypothetical rematch polling that shows Trump performing an average of nine and a half points better today than against Biden on Election Day 2020. Nine and a half point swings. It's really significant. I'm going to get into a little bit later in the show how many states are in play in next year's election as well, because just as many of the countries that have broken towards the right around the world, they haven't heard this year. We also are going to likely have states in play that haven't been discussed and aren't on the radar of people, at least yet. Although J.D. in Las Vegas thinks that uh, Biden might not be the candidate. J.D., welcome to the show. And I love your show tonight, and I love your research, and I appreciate it very much. Unfortunately, it may not uh, make a difference because, in my opinion, I heard President Obama about a year ago state how happy he was about that 90 percent of the people that have worked in the Biden administration were his people. The fact that Obama stayed in D.C. with a house with Valerie Jarrett, the fact that Susan Rice worked in the Biden in the in the Biden administration as the domestic czar for two years and never appeared on any interview or any national show. She retired about three months ago. I believe that Jarrett and Rice are working with Obama because you have now have Axelrod and CNN coming across uh, about this 82-year-old man. I expect him sometime in the next year, I don't know exactly when, to do an LBJ, if nominated, I will not run. And I could think of nothing else happening but the popular uh, Michelle Obama, where the convention is being held in Chicago. I wonder why they picked Chicago. She has a fantastic approval rating amongst all kinds of people, and she would be a Manchurian candidate that would not have to appear in front of primaries, in front of the press, She could be by the uh, powers that be, the 2,500 or 3,000 superdelegates in the Democratic Party, nominate her at the convention, and she would be the nominee. And then we really have have, uh, a problem on our hands. Yeah, J.D., you laid it out very well. Uh, Certainly, that is a theory that exists. You first have the theory uh, that Joe Biden will not end up seeing this thing through. Then you get into, okay, how could it go down? When would it happen? If it were at the convention, you could have a Michelle Obama, for example, who would do it. Possible, right? In theory, possible. A lot of people think, hey, you know, somewhere along the way, uh, Joe Biden is going to uh, go ahead and let his son off the hook. And call it a day after that. That is altogether possible here. Which, by the way, 
is all the more reason why it's important not just to win elections, but to have movements and to lead on policy. One of the things that has been an issue for the Republican Party generally over the recent decades has been what do they really stand for? Ever so slightly less government spending borders that have been a little bit better than they have been. I mean, whatever the issue is, right? It's, it's been like, you know, less bad than leftists and what they want rather than real movement style policy that makes a difference. Reagan-esque kind of policy, right? Well, Trump represents that. And one of the things that's interesting is when you have people that don't just say, I am not happy with Joe Biden, but people who then say, I want to vote for Donald Trump. And taking a look at the research and taking a look at data, it's really interesting to me that you have more voters that are saying, I want to vote for Donald Trump than are saying, I don't want to vote for Joe Biden. It's one of the things contextually I always take a look at. Am I going to get too far into the minutiae? But we're seeing that now. Could that be enough to overcome the cult of personality that is a Michelle Obama under the circumstance you later? Who knows until we get there, right? Uh, I mean, there, there are so many hypotheticals to get into. But that's why I think it's it's so important to stand for something, to be clear that you stand for something that is different. And in that moment, you can win with your policies rather than just personality, a la what Michelle Obama would be leaning on pretty much entirely at that point. Otherwise, there's no doubt that, you know, Barack Obama has had his fingerprints all over the Biden administration since day one. And what you have seen is, you know, basically his administration on steroids, given the opportunity with Joe Biden as as president. So I I agree with that part of the premise. There's there's no question, including, yes, the overwhelming majority of top administration officials that are straight out of the Obama administration. Let's go to Tim in Gold Hill, North Carolina. Tim, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you. Thank you very much. I really appreciate you when you get a chance to on the air. And I, I really uh, I really like Mark, and he's he's the boss. He's, he's, he's the best. He's great one. He is good. Yeah, well, I appreciate, uh, I, appreciate uh, the kind words. And you listen. What do you have for us? Well, you know, um, it seems to be a consensus across the country that Joe Biden is intentionally doing what he's doing. The border, all this family crime. Uh, he's intentionally doing this. I see high crimes and misdemeanors. I see that. It's like Adam Shit used to say, it's in plain view. It is in plain view. Do you think that the Republicans got the guts to impeach this man, put him on trial for treason and hanging? No on that. I think he deserves uh, it. Yeah, well, I, I mean, no, no on on the uh, end game as as laid out there. On the impeachment piece in particular, this has been one of the questions: is will Republicans see this thing through? First and foremost, with with Democrats holding control of the Senate, there's no way you're getting to a conviction there. There's just no. It, it does not matter what Republicans produce. In terms of information, it is just beyond belief that Chuck Schumer would say, you know what? Yep, we're going to to go ahead and and take down. 
we're going to convict and remove Joe Biden as president of the United States. So if you operate from that premise, you then take a look at, okay, well, what is the possibility? So the possibility then looks like, oh, okay, so maybe, and by the way, it is a huge if, but maybe, given the extremely slim margin that Republicans have in the House, you get to impeachment if the evidence is, is bad enough there. Okay, so you know, Joe Biden will remain in office, and then was it all worth it? You have plenty of people that worry about potential backlash, about potential overreach, whether it's justified or not. And there's no doubt that uh, given the information at hand, uh, the impeachment proceedings and potential impeachment of Joe Biden absolutely justified. I say this as an observer, not necessarily because I, I know this will happen, but it is my belief that House Republicans are using the formal impeachment process uh, as a means of informing you, as a means of being able to use the additional subpoena powers that come with the impeachment proceedings to be able to get to the truth so that you have the truth about the Bidens before the next election, the truth that you were not allowed to know prior to the 2020 election. So I believe that it is informational more than the end game is the convicting and the removal, or certainly something more dramatic uh, than than that. Uh, my two cents. Brian Mudd in for the great one. Mud Lovin. Traveling for the holidays? Pure Talk has you covered because they just added international roaming to over 30 countries. That's right. Whether you're making calls from the Vatican or on a beach in the Bahamas, you're covered. From the steps of Buckingham Palace or your villa in Santorini, you dial away. And here's the best part. There is no rate increase. Pure Talk still saves the average family almost $1,000 a year with plans starting at just 20 bucks a month. And... They put you on America's most dependable 5G network, so the coverage is second to none. So don't delay, folks. Switch to Pure Talk, a veteran-owned wireless company with simply the best U.S. customer service team. Now with international roaming to over 30 countries. Go to puretalk.com slash Levin, that's puretalk.com slash L-E-V-I-M, to make the switch, and you'll save an additional 50% off your first month. That's big. That's puretalk.com slash Levin to start saving on wireless right now. President Biden's year-end approval rating is worse than any other modern-day president seeking re-election that's ever been in this point in a re-election campaign. For example, President Trump's approval rating sat at 45% when he was seeking re-election in 2019, and former President Obama was at 43% in 2011. Yeah, and something else to keep in mind, you know, it really looked like Donald Trump would be a shoo-in to win re-election until COVID happened, right? And I really do think uh, you start taking a look at things informationally here as we are seeing trump perform better even at this point in the hypothetical polling uh with, with biden that he did back when he was president in 2019 just prior to to pre-covid a lot of people are going you know what his policies were good things were good in this country things were, were good around the world and maybe we took that for granted a little bit one of the things that I've been taking a look at informationally the view of the possible reasons to be optimistic as we head into 2024. And one of them I've cited is the nine and a half point turnaround 
between Election Day 2020 polling and where we are today with Joe Biden. So in the real clear politics average of polls, if you go back to Election Day 2020, Biden had a 7.2 percent advantage over Trump. By the way, that, as we have typically seen with Trump polling, it oversampled Biden, undersampled undersampled, uh, Trump. Trump ended up losing by four and a half percent, not 7.2. But nevertheless, just take a look at the polls. Right now, Trump is averaging a 2.3 percent lead over Biden. That is a nine and a half percent turnaround over just over three years ago. And then, of course, you get into, well, it's not about the popular vote. It's about what happens in the individual states. And when you start looking at the state of play, what you began to, to see, if you take a look at the results in the 2020 election, is more of the view of the possible. So if we're talking about anywhere in the neighborhood of a nine and a half point turnaround, what are we taking a look at? Example, uh, For example, well, states that Biden won, including Georgia Arizona and Wisconsin by less than one point. Well, I mean, you you can easily see how those swing. You take a look at state like Pennsylvania that Biden won by just over one point. Then you have two other states, Michigan and Nevada, the Biden won by just over two. You have states in Minnesota and New Hampshire, the one Biden won by just over seven. Maine that he won by just over nine. So suddenly you have three additional states that aren't even considered battleground states that would appear to come into play in Minnesota, New Hampshire and Maine. And that's in in addition to what would appear to be a likely sizable advantage for Trump as we head into the new year in Nevada, a state that he didn't win even in 2016. Brian Mudd in for the great one, Mark Levin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. In a joint statement, U.S. and Mexican officials say they discussed amnesty in the meeting, including, quote, regularizing the situation of Hispanic migrants who've been undocumented for several years and the DACA beneficiaries who are a vital part of the U.S. economy and society. Yeah, so vital. I mean, if it weren't for illegal immigrants, the country just wouldn't run. It just uh, that's the way it is, right? It is so fascinating. We hear that time and again. And 
on that note, small sample size, but not really. Take the free state of Florida, for example. Florida passed a law where not only uh, is there an e-verify system in place for employers with 25 or more employees in the state, but if you are transporting somebody who is not documented, you're engaged in a crime in the state of Florida. That went into place mid-year. July 1st this year, that went into play. And you might have heard some of the national stories out there about, oh my gosh, uh, all the illegal immigrants. How is Florida and and all the agriculture? Because for everything Florida has in terms of the economy, agriculture is still number one. How is it that state's going around? All the illegal immigrants are are going to be gone. and, And then the state won't run. There's nobody who will actually do the jobs that only illegal immigrants will do. You had people saying that businesses were, would be shut down. You wouldn't be able to get oranges or orange juice anymore. It would just it'd be the end. And I remember for months leading up to that eventuality, calling out the absolute horse poo that it was, documenting empirically why it wouldn't work that way, and then taking a little time here and there after July 1st to point out, What a lying, stinking stack of you-know-what all the news outlets were that ran with that narrative and how they all abandoned that narrative the moment that there was zero evidence that the state of Florida could run without all the illegal immigrants who had been enabled to do all those jobs that Americans just would not do. So, yeah, what's been going on in Mexico? Yes, in in Mexico, the Biden administration, as they have been discussing the border crisis, are they talking about making things better? Oh, yeah, for the illegal immigrants. Amnesty. Well, if you're hearing about talk of amnesty between the Biden administration and the Mexican regime, what do you think that is going to do? You think that will slow down the pace of the illegals coming across the southern border? You can't make this stuff up. It's kind of like when the Biden administration is said to, well, we want to increase border funding. Yeah, they'll take more money to hire more people to put at the southern border to process the illegal immigrants quicker and have more money, more of your tax dollars to send them to their destination of choice. That's what they do when they have more resources. It just, yeah. So I've been talking about the optimism As we enter the 2024 election year, and by and large, there is plenty of room for optimism, in part because the average American now sees exactly what I was just talking about for what it is. But obviously, there's a lot that we are going to have to overcome to get there. Brian Mudd in for the great one, Mark Levin. I host the Brian Mudd Show, hubbed out of my home station, WJNO in West Palm Beach. You can catch my podcast, The Brian Mudd Show, wherever you get your podcast. Follow me socially at Brian Mudd Radio. And it is truly an honor and a pleasure having the opportunity with you when I do. And as I'm talking about the things where we need work entering next year, one of the areas where we could stand to do much better, election integrity. I'm going to talk a little bit about Trinidad and Tobago, Trinidad and Tobago. Now, in the grand scheme of what might seem like potentially random 
countries to bring up in the context of our 2024 election cycle, Trinidad and Tobago might be way up there. But the reason I reference them is because if I wanted to witness a country and if I wanted to witness regions with greater election integrity than the United States, I would go to uh, you could go to Trinidad and uh, in Tobago. And the reason I'm, I'm bringing this up as we are wrapping up 2023 is because Harvard University's most recent electoral integrity project, which accounts for all worldwide elections through the 2022 election cycle, has identified the United States as scoring a 64 out of 100 and election integrity in last year's midterm election cycle. Now, remember the uh, the last Mark Levin show of, of 2020. With everything that we were going through as a country at that point. And the conversation about what is it that we can do? And it wasn't going to the Capitol and, and all that. My top thing was election integrity. Put pressure on your state legislatures. Get them to enact election integrity measures. Become informed and engaged yourself. Become a poll watcher. Do something that makes a difference. And we have seen in many states there have been changes. But I'm about to give you an idea of what has changed that can be measured over where we were in 2020. Okay, so uh, Harvard's Electoral Integrity Project, which I also talking about coming now the 2020 cycle once we had that scorecard. They place us with a 64 out of a 100. That score places us just below Trinidad and Tobago in election integrity. And as sad as that might sound, and, and make no mistake it is, the U.S. is tied with Gambia in election integrity, with a country right below us being Ghana, which if you are a really studious individual or you are that good of a listener with a, a memory to boot, you might recall that I reported on a couple of years ago in the Harvard Electoral Integrity Project that we had... Uh, We'd actually been behind Ghana, but also just ahead of Vanuatu. We actually have improved by a couple of points over where we were in 2020. The United States, in terms of election integrity, we are up two points on a 100-point scale from where we were. Now, it is remarkable that we're the world's leading superpower, complete with the greatest technology companies in the world, top medical advancements, and then often crappy election systems, which are often surpassed by undeveloped countries. Now, long before we witnessed questionable election practices in, in several states during the 2020 cycle, Harvard University's Electoral Integrity Project studied the election systems used around the world with their first project studying election integrity conducted after the 2012 cycle. And what we've learned a decade later is that the more election cycles and politicians change, 
the more that our woefully inadequate systems seem to remain the same. The United States ranks 55th overall in election integrity. I mentioned we're up two points on the 100-point scale. We're also up two spots, two countries from two years ago. We're up to 55th from 57th. Literally every country in Europe has greater election integrity than we do. By the way, to give you an idea, remember we're 64 on the 100-point scale. Finland leads the world with an 89. And in the Americas alone, there are 15 countries, including the aforementioned Trinidad and Tobago, which rank higher for election integrity than we do. And here's the bigger point. So many state and local governments have so woefully created election systems and protocols that several undeveloped countries, including countries migrants are seeking asylum from, have greater integrity in their elections than ours. And after the 2020 election cycle, I mentioned the biggest takeaway was the significant need to improve election systems. Well, you saw that Uh, there were several states that made moves to improve election integrity. However, in many states where some of the biggest concerns already existed, you haven't seen any positive changes to improve election integrity that have been made. You know, an example, a couple examples where you've seen some real positive change occur since 2020, Georgia and Arizona, Georgia and Arizona. That's that's encouraging. Earlier in the show, Carl was concerned about practices taking place with illegal immigrants in Michigan. Michigan is a state where there has been no positive election and integrity movement since the 2020 cycle. So it certainly leads to people who are paying attention to wonder, wonder what the view of the possible is as we enter next year. A lot of people have wondered, you know, what will there be shenanigans? What will they look like? Like it's, it's unrealistic to think that we can remain the world's superpower, the beacon of freedom in the world. If we run elections that are worse than every developed country in the world, which is pretty much the case, any country that, that doesn't have free and fair elections can't expect to retain freedom and prosperity. I mean, it's pretty, pretty academic that way. So yes, election integrity measures taken by some States over the prior couple of years did slightly move the needle in a positive direction overall in this country, including you know, a couple really important swing states. But wow, do we have a long way to go before we could feel good about the integrity in our elections processes? And it's probably not what you wanted to hear, especially since I've sounded a otherwise optimistic message through the first two hours of the show. But this is where we need to accomplish some things next year, where you can turn your attention by still putting pressure if you are in a state where there hasn't been positive movement in this direction or if you're not going to get that kind of movement in your state to get engaged and become a poll watcher, whatever it is that you could do to help the integrity process. But by highlighting these findings, drawing attention to the obvious holes in the system now, what it does is it does provide another opportunity. One last crack, you know, for states to make a go of it and the upcoming legislative sessions next year. One more opportunity for concerned citizens like you to become informed and and to engage the process. So no, no disrespect intended for Gambia, but when we're not running elections better than they are, 
I would say there's a, a clear indication significant changes are still needed throughout much of this country. I'm Brian Mudd, in for the great one. Mud Lovin. The Biden administration says if Texas moves ahead with an anti-illegal immigration law signed this month by Governor Greg Abbott, it will take the state to court. But the Republican governor is staying defiant and says he's prepared to take the fight to the Supreme Court. The new legislation allows law enforcement officers to arrest illegal immigrants and for state judges to order them expelled from the country. Yeah, how dare they? How dare they? Fox's Carmen Roberts on the report. What? Texas is going to try to do something about illegal immigrants in their state? They're going to say if they're not here illegally, then that is against the law in Texas. How dare they? We are going to have to look at at suing them. We must have our illegal immigrants that are lawfully dispersed. The illegal immigrants lawfully dispersed um, illegally. It it just it's absurd. It's everywhere you turn around with the Biden administration, up is down, left is right. You know, the, the, we're, we're going to have border discussions with Mexico. You, you actually had some people believing that maybe Biden's going to get serious this time. Maybe he realizes that the border is a bad issue for him. It's going to hurt him in next year's election. And, and so maybe he's really going to do something with the Mexican president. No, they're talking about amnesty. No, they actually want to make it worse. Hey, we're going to get together. Hey, let's do even more here. Let's let's talk just outright amnesty. That's what you get. Um, being an observer of things, Brian Mudd in for Mark Levin, as we've been talking about uh, so many of the data points that have been really encouraging for Donald Trump, but conservatives generally, not just in this country, but around the world, as we have seen a historic year, many countries where Conservative politicians have made really meaningful gains and data that points towards a historic shift with younger voters in this country. Significant shifts with especially legal minorities and uh, legal immigrants in this country. And and you begin putting all this together in going through information. Funny, some of the things that you find. And here's one of them. Some interesting odds right now as we are ready to enter 2024. You have plenty of people that like to bet offshore on political outcomes, right? And for the people who've already been doing it, you got some pretty interesting odds that are in play right now. For example, President Biden is currently priced with less than a 74% chance of winning the Democrat nomination for president. So if you're of the mind that... Uh, He is not going to seal the deal that he is going to bow out at some point. Well, you got just over a quarter of people who are actually putting money on that eventuality. So you you certainly have company there. And again, with people that are willing to to bet offshore on this stuff. Biden right now is also only being priced with a 30 percent chance of winning the next presidential election. And I think that is quite a statement, quite a statement when people are putting money on this stuff. Also interesting, the candidate with the second best chance of winning the Democrat nomination and someone who's also currently being priced with a better chance than Ron DeSantis of being the next president of the United States isn't even in the race. 
It is the hair. It's California's Gavin Newsom. No kidding. He's given better odds to become the next president than, than even DeSantis at this point. So anyway, there there clear, clearly does continue to be a large contingent of believers that Biden bows out. Newsom swoops in at some point. We heard from a caller who said he, he thinks it'll be Michelle Obama. But here's something that that is also interesting to me. Donald Trump, among betters, is the runaway favorite with 79% odds of winning the Republican nomination. Donald Trump in his contested primary against Joe Biden in his largely uncontested primary. Trump is being given a 5% better chance than Biden of winning his primary right now. And they're trying to keep him off the ballot, too. Interesting, right? Continue the conversation. Get to some of your calls next. Brian Muddy in for the great one, Mark Levin. Mark Levin. The Thunder on the Right. Call in now, 877-381-3811. What happened in Mexico, that meeting, and the supposed task force that they're going to produce is a joke. It's going to do nothing. We know what to do. Finish the wall. Stop catch and release. Get more Border Patrol agents and let them do their job. Yeah, no kidding. As we're taking a look at a record number of illegal immigrants crossing the border again in December and what came out of the talks between the Biden administration and Mexico discussion of outright amnesty, which is going to do what exactly? Uh, That is Congressman Jeff Van Drew, who nailed it. And as the former and perhaps future president of the United States has laid out in a quite clear way recently when he is president of the United States again, you will see the largest mass deportation take place that has ever taken place in this country. And yes, the completion of the aforementioned wall. And that's another one of the, the shames of everything, you know, the given all the, the stonewalling of the funding for the border wall, all the legal challenges and everything else, In the final six months or so of the Trump administration, that wall was being built at a really rapid rate. And Joe Biden comes in, day one executive action, ending the construction of the border wall, ended up costing us over $4 billion as taxpayers to stop the construction of it. We had to pay that much more to stop the construction of it. And it would have been completed at the pace it was being built by the time we'd gotten to last year's midterm elections. Every effort by the Biden administration to create mass chaos at the southern border to bring in as many illegal immigrants as possible at your expense. And yes, as some people are concerned about, probably an effort in many places to attempt to have them to vote, if not sooner, perhaps later. Uh, And if nothing else, maybe the long game with their kids. That's long been part of the Democrat Party strategy. And speaking of the Democrat Party, if you came through the holiday season and you didn't end up with the one thing that you really wanted, which was the bestseller, the latest one by the great one, the Democrat Party Hates America, you could go ahead and get yourself not just any copy, but a limited first edition signed copy of the Democrat Party Hates America. The only place that you get these signed first edition copies is on the website levinsigned.com. That's levinsigned.com. 
com. So you could go do that and, and get the the best copy of all for your for yourself here. All right. We have had some uh, really patient folks hanging on. Let's get to Alex in Gaylord, Missouri. Alex, welcome to the show. Uh, sorry, correction on that. It's Gaylord, Michigan, but that's okay. Hey, oh, Michigan, I'm sorry. down the fort really good. Yep, yeah, you're fine. T- you're holding down no, they, the fort. They, you know what? That, and that one was on me because there is an MI there. Just looked over and uh, no, so that is that is not on Mr. Call Screener. That one is on me, but I appreciate it, Alex. Hey, and, you know, I just want to say you've been very informational in providing, you know, what the foreign countries are doing with the integrity of the elections. And then in comparison to ours, I would never begin to wrap my mind around that. But I, I thank you for providing that information. And I'll get to my point on my question tonight, and that is I'm concerned about all these people coming across the border, not because they're illegally crossing, but how coached and rehearsed they are uh, in connection with what they're saying to the news media when the news media people uh, interview them. And I addressed this earlier in the week on another talk show, and I'm like, how do we know these people aren't being really coached about, hey, when you see one of these mail-in ballots, uh, go ahead and fill it out and mail it in. You know, we already know you're for Big Joe. Um, Maybe that's just not going to happen, and I hope not. But uh, I don't want to get off my point in the discussion about the potential of illegals uh, messing around with, you know, mail-in ballots. But what I heard after I addressed this question to a previous uh, program, um, the next day I hear that illegals are being allowed to vote in city and mayor elections in New York. That's correct. Now, I'm and, and not just there either. That, and I'm yeah, yeah, so Alex, I mean, look, you are you are right in, in more ways than you even realize. So um, going, let, let's walk all the way back. When you first started having the migrant caravans in the, the form that we have known them in recent years, you had uh, a, a group, and, and this was something I did a great deal of research on. In fact, I remember breaking it on the show. I reached out to to Mark and and w- gave him the information that I had discovered. And uh, he had me on the show, and we, we talked about it. It's something that I ended up taking to uh, to, to Fox News and some other outlets as, as well subsequent to, uh, to Levin. And it was about the Chicago-based group Pueblo San Fronteras. And this nonprofit out of Chicago called Pueblo Sin Fronteras was a front organization, a leftist open border group, a nonprofit that would fundraise up and down the West Coast of the United States. They would put on events all up and down the, the West Coast and fundraise money. And when they would get that money together, they would go to Central American countries. And they would advertise that at a specific date and time, they needed to be aggregating at the locations they prescribed. And they would get them to the southern border and get them across in the United States. And what this group was, a organization not just of open borders, but of organization and of legal expertise. So you had legal counsel that would go down from this front organization into these Central American countries that would help organize the caravans 
and that would coach them up on what to say when they would get to the southern border to help game our legal system, to help game our asylum system, the magic words. What's become even more insidious, that, that goes back several years ago now. That, had, that, that was the original tactic in gaming the system. What's even more insidious, we have seen in, in recent, I wouldn't say the last couple of years, I don't have evidence that extends further back than, than in, the, in the neighborhood of two years, though it's possible it could have happened at the earliest days of the Biden administration for, for all I know. But you started to have Biden administration officials paying organizations like this to do this. You have heard about many of the nonprofits that will help many of these asylum seekers as they're coming across the southern border. They they provide the, the necessary trappings uh, that one who, who comes with very little across our southern border might need. And, and then also to help get them settled wherever it is that our taxpayer dollars will relocate them. Well, they, they've gone even further in taking your tax dollars and giving them directly to individuals who are coaching these illegal immigrants on what to say. Just the magic words, which has beaten so many of the Border Patrol officials down to the point of, of what you hear, which is it, it's just the order taking now. It, it's just the, they, they're all going to say the same thing. And, and so they get into the United States and the asylum system where you know, well over 90% go missing, never report to their court dates. And of those who do, most will be rejected by the courts because they're not legitimate asylum seekers. And that goes back to what asylum is. A asylum is escaping a, a government that has you in the crosshairs. And by definition, the moment that you are outside of the country that you are being repressed in, you are no longer an asylum seeker, which means, for example, it, it is not possible for anybody to have gone from Central America through Mexico and being a, a legitimate asylum seeker in the United States. It is not possible because Mexico would be the country that you would enter at a minimum, if not others, uh, first. It, but we play the game. They go missing. They get on government assistance. They do whatever. And yeah, may, the Biden administration hopes that one day that they will vote in elections. But yeah, you, you're right in your concern. And it's even more insidious than than you may have realized with your taxpayer dollars now going to these groups and these individuals that coach the illegal immigrants to become part of the system. It is, uh, you know, all part of what we have to eliminate in next year's election cycle and some of what we've got to overcome in the election process to get there as well. Let's go to Mike, who has been patiently hanging on from my home station, WJNO West Palm. Hey, Mike, welcome to the show. Hey, Brian. Yeah, big fan. Listen to you every morning. Appreciate that. Um, you touched on it a little bit, but I was thinking the immigration system is in regards to legal immigration. But every time KJP or Kamala or Mayorkas, most angrily I get, when there are questions about the people coming across the southern border, he always he says the immigration system is broken. To me, it's like a non-response because, I mean, the least he could say is the asylum system is broken. To me, it's like saying uh, bank robbers are part of the banking system. 
I don't know if you agree with that or not. No, it's a fair point, Mike, and I appreciate it. What he is trying to do is play the game rhetorically in a way that for what Rush would have called the low information voters seems like he cares and that he's not completely derelict of duty while being derelict of duty and trying at the same time not to get impeached. And so it is a fine line when what you are doing is usurping our law, because let's make no mistake. What's happening at our southern border is a violation of federal law. The Biden administration has broken the law, but they continue the policy that's in place. You you make, uh, you know, the, the vice president, the borders are OK. You make Mayorkas, who is an open border advocate, you know, the head of, of DHS. What did we think we were going to get? So there is a rhetorical game that is played so that they don't indict themselves in a way that is either more revealing to the ill-informed or that might not necessarily make it as easy as possible to be impeached on the the dereliction of duty, which otherwise is is quite clear. Appreciate the call and thanks for listening. Uh, Let's go to Vince in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Vince, welcome to the show. Thank you for taking my call. Thanks for hanging on so long. (laughs) <laughs> I appreciate it. Uh, uh, Israel needs to beat Hamas and all those booties and all that stuff. And when Trump is reelected, he will sit on Iran so that uh, this whole thing will just melt away. Yeah, Vince, um, you know, your, your point about uh, the Israel-Hamas war and, and the implications with Trump as it pertains to Iran Speaking of melting away, the biggest concern that we've got in the interim with Iran isn't even that they are a state sponsor of terror, isn't that ultimately Hamas is backed by Iran, that many other separatist groups throughout the region that continue to carry out attacks against American interests, for that matter, are Iranian backed. But that Iran is very close, according to intelligence in this country from having a nuclear weapon. What ended up happening, you know, on that front when Joe Biden became president? Well, we we're going to go back into that Iran nuclear deal, right? Which means that uh, we're not going to really do anything other than just take at face value what Iran has to say about their nuclear program. And so actually the most single most dangerous thing uh, that has happened is what you're not typically hearing about in the day to day. And that is, the escalation of their nuclear program. My biggest concern involving them um, over the next year and, and and plus. And at that point, boy, do we need Trump and his his leadership and his peace through strength approach more than perhaps we ever will have needed before, even uh, you know during during Cold War times. And uh, real quick, let's go to George in Wayne, New Jersey. George, welcome to the show. Hey, Brian, you're doing a great job. You're filling, you're very entertaining, very enjoyable. But I got to tell you, you sound a little bit like an election denier. And that bothers me because you make all Republicans sound like election deniers, and we're not. The thing is, the Democrats played the game better. We were simply outplayed. We didn't want to be, we didn't want to be, go with the trend. We didn't want to grow up. We want to vote on election day and be patriotic. You know, the trend is, 
harvest those ballots. Yeah, George, uh, you're 100% right, and and I don't have time to get into everything at this point about what you're talking about, but no, I, I never played the victim card or the election denial card. I was always about, here is what we know happened, and, and ultimately what did happen in 2020 is you had COVID used as, as, as an excuse to do an end around a lot of state election laws, and because the courts allowed it, that it ended up being the biggest issue. You are right that we need to use the laws in every state as well as Democrats do. If you live in a state where there's ballot harvesting, you need to harvest better than the Democrats do. You need to early vote. You need to vote by mail. You need to do all those things. So you are absolutely right. And no, I am I'm certainly not on the opposite end of that. Not by a long shot. Brian Mudd in for the great one. Mud Lovin. Companies like BlackRock, J.P. Morgan Chase and American Airlines, they've altered their DEI policies. This is coming from Reuters, which track the changes to things like scholarship programs and worker trainings and other company initiatives. According to the report, BlackRock removed language describing a scholarship as designed for specific for specific underrepresented groups. And J.P. Morgan once promoted programs described as, quote, advancing Hispanics and Latinos and, quote, advancing black pathways. Now, those programs invite applications from all backgrounds. Huh. From all backgrounds. Imagine that. All backgrounds. Now. Yeah. So one of the many ways, by the way, Fox's Lydia Hugh on that report, one of the many ways that we have made progress this year, one of the way, many ways that we have begun to see some political change in this off election year, the rolling back of DEI programs. You've had a lot of people that are like, enough. This is absurd. So we are moving the needle. And as I laid out, especially through the first couple of hours, we are seeing a lot of signs that point in a historically positive direction for conservatives. The getting there is not going to be easy. There is no doubt about that. It's stuck with Mr. Producer. And boy, I do worry about what's going to happen geopolitically next year. As many people, many bad actors around the world, I believe, try to take advantage of Biden's weakness. Who knows what happens stateside as they're trying to keep Trump off of ballots and trying to put him in jail. But I'm optimistic. And if you remain optimistic and you do what you can and we do it together, I think we're going to be in a much better place a year from now when we're having this conversation. Wish you a happy new year. Mark's back next week. Brian Mudd, it's been a pleasure being with you here from Mark Levin. 